Oh, that is the coolest picture. There's the church. Wait, wait. At, oh, St. Mary Glace. Yeah. With the parachute hanging from yeah, the top. Okay, the this parachute. is this is amazing. Isn't that oh, that was so powerful to be there. I just couldn't believe we were there. I know. I had to keep going. This is real. This yeah. is real. Yep. Friends, welcome to the Ransomed Heart Podcast. John and Stacey Eldridge with you this week and next. Wanted to invite you into a trip that we took earlier this summer to Normandy, to France. Really kind of more than a trip. It was a, right. it was a pilgrimage. Mm-hmm. I don't know, folks, I don't know if you can hear that jet going overhead right now. I don't know if the Air Force is doing exercises here in Colorado Springs. Kind of timely, though. It is unbelievable, the timing of this. Some friends of ours were in France and invited us to come join them. And I think that was the only reason that kind of got us thinking about it and got us over there. But then as soon as we realized, oh my goodness, we're going to be in France, we could go see Normandy. Right, which which we have wanted to do for actually more than a decade. Yeah, yeah, at least at least 20 years. Mm-hmm. You know, we've taken a few pilgrimages in our lives. We've gone to special places in our childhood, and we've gone to places that are sacred to our family, and we've done pilgrimages to early Celtic Christian sites mm-hmm. in Scotland and Ireland that are important to us and to Ransomed Heart. But this, the D-Day landing beaches in Normandy, is something that this will probably go down as the most powerful pilgrimage we've ever taken in our lives. And just wanted to tell you a little bit about that and and some things that Jesus spoke to us while we were there. Exactly. And and why it was so powerful. It yeah. wasn't just a it wasn't a trip. It was visiting someplace that is powerfully important to us, to our ministry and and really to the world. Yeah, it really is. Um, so what we're referring to, of course, is uh, World War II, uh, D-Day, the Allied invasion into France and to set the world free from Nazism mm-hmm. and from and from Hitler's terror. And, and to kind of get the perspective on this, you just have to remember things like Auschwitz. You have to remember how utterly horrifying and evil there go the jets again overhead. This is just amazing. Mm-hmm. I hope you can hear this. If you can, it's like... It's a reminder. Yeah, it's a reminder. And that, that actually happened to us the second day when we were visiting Omaha Beach. But we'll we'll tell you about that in a second. Hopefully you've seen movies like Schindler's List. You, you have some sense of the just the evil, the evil of the Nazi empire and recognizing that, of course, not all... German citizens agreed with it. In fact, the famous Christian leader and theologian Dietrich Bonhoeffer was actually involved in an assassination attempt against Hitler mm-hmm. um, and was arrested for that and lost. He was executed for that. Wow. So there was a there was a very strong oh, you yeah. know, resistance movements among many German citizens. But nonetheless, you you think about the hold that Hitler had on Europe. And the Allies, of course, planned this invasion along the Calvados coast in France to to try and free Europe and end the darkness. And it is so powerful to go there and visit these villages we've read about, um, visit the the D-Day landing beaches. It was actually right before my 50th birthday 
that you walked in my office one day and said. Yeah, I said, John, for your 50th birthday, because John was actually born on June 6th, let's go to Normandy. Let's go to the landing beaches. And at the time when she said that, I almost burst into tears. Mm -hmm. This means so much to our understanding of the world. We really feel like the invasion, the D-Day landing beaches, all that took place there is the history of Christianity in the world, the invasion of the kingdom of God into the kingdom of darkness in one vivid moment. It's a metaphor. It's a picture. It's a very, very powerful story. And when Stacy suggested it around uh, seven years ago, I was a little leery. There was part of me that says, I'm afraid it's too dark. Um, I remember the look that even just went across your face. I get You, you almost burst into tears, but it was, um, I don't even have a name for it. But it, at that time and all that was going on your, with your life, it you felt like too much, like you, you couldn't do it. Yeah, that it might be even traumatizing. Yeah. Because of the war we, yeah. have, we have been in for mm-hmm. so many years. And I think one of the great surprises, having finally gone now, seven years later, just a, a couple months ago, it's not dark at all. One of the most surprising things we discovered visiting Utah Beach and Omaha Beach and Point de Hawk and St. Mary Glace and Braycor Manor and Pegasus Bridge and all of these incredibly legendary, famous sites, it's holy. Yeah. Yeah, it really is a sacred place. It's it's just amazing how we were looking at some photos of, uh, there's one of Utah Beach. Oh, it's so beautiful. It's it, a cloudy day. It's The grasses are windswept. And, um, you know, it just looks like a normal beach. Right. Except for some very important differences. Yeah, you're walking along in these in these sand dunes and these rolling grassy slopes above the beaches, and then you come across these concrete bunkers that, you know, almost 75 years later are totally intact. Yeah, yeah. I mean, despite massive Allied bombing, um, they just weren't able to destroy the Atlantic Wall. And so, again, a little bit more of the history in case you're not quite familiar with with all that D-Day meant. So, Hitler conquers Europe. You know, it's it's Poland, it's Austria, it's France, it's Belgium, you know, it's Norway. It's I mean, he conquers all of Europe and and he knows the allies are going to respond. He knows that at some point there will be an invasion, but he doesn't know when and he doesn't know where. So he builds his famous Atlantic Wall, which is not actually like the Great Wall of China. What it was, it was a it was a string of Gun emplacements, uh, batteries, artillery, mortars, garrisons, a string of coastal defenses. Yeah, and and in some places, a literal wall, right? Yeah, yeah. that literally ran from Norway to Spain. Whoa. And it was manned by, you know, tens of thousands of, of German forces. And so the Allies need to break the Atlantic Wall, and they choose the Calvados Coast in France, largely because Hitler doesn't think they will. There's a much closer crossing. The shortest channel crossing from England to the coast of Europe is at the Pas de Calais, which is farther north. Mm-hmm. And so Hitler stages his entire Panzer division there, all those famous tanks, um, knowing it, surely the Allies are going to come here. Right. And so Eisenhower and the others choose the Calvados Coast. It's actually 
the longest channel crossing. Oh my goodness. It makes no sense, but that's why they choose it. Yeah. They need they need they surprise. Need some, yeah. And so the story, of course, um, D-Day has two parts to it, really. There's kind of two storylines. If you've seen Saving Private Ryan, I hope you've seen Saving Private Ryan. It's one of the most important films of the 20th century. You're aware of Omaha Beach, Utah Beach, the beaches, what happened on those beaches. But actually, the night before, the other half of the story is the use of the Airborne mm-hmm. uh, Division and HBO did a phenomenal series years ago under Tom Hanks called Band of Brothers about Easy Company, 101st Airborne, and kind of their story through all the way through the end of the war. So we wanted to see both. We wanted to see um, the night before on June 5th, thousands and thousands of, of paratroopers were dropped in behind the enemy lines because it was so essential for them to capture these villages and particularly these exits off the beaches. Rommel had a sense that the, the invasion was going to come on the Calvados coast. Hitler didn't believe him. And so Rommel flooded the fields. He flooded all of the fields, you know, agricultural fields there. And it's a lot of irrigation and dikes and that kind of thing. And so he just opened it, flooded it all which would force the Allies to have to use one of, you know, six roads. Right, one way out. Off these beaches. And he just knew if we can pin them on the beaches, we will absolutely decimate them, and the Allies will never try it again. Okay, just pause. That wasn't where the main force of the army was, where the Nazi army was. Mm-hmm. And it was in crazy. They had Right? They had every inch of the beach covered, nonetheless. Yeah, yeah they did. Wow. They, they had pre-sighted the landing beaches with mortars, machine gun fire, artillery, larger cannons inland, like literally to cover every inch of those Whoa. beaches. And they had four levels of beach obstacles in, you know, these iron, they called them hedgehogs, that would prevent the boats from landing. And then they had exploding devices if a boat hit it. And they had all these different things, bob wire, you know. Mm-hmm. But the night before, the paratroopers landed in the night um, in order to try and secure some of these essential exits. And the stories of heroism, the stories of selflessness, yes. the stories of courage and bravery are, are just so profoundly moving. And so on our first day, one of the one of the fun things was to go into the village of St. Mary Iglesias there on the coast, which was one of the famous villages that the paratroopers took and needed to take. And there's a story of a couple of paratroopers actually got their parachutes caught on the steeple of the town church, the little village church as they're coming in, and the church bell is ringing an alarm to call the citizens out to fight a fire that had been started by some of the incoming, you know, the, the crossfire that's going on. And this poor paratrooper swinging next to the belfry, and he ends up losing his hearing for several weeks. Right. But it's amazing to pull into these places. You know, if you've seen the HBO series, if you, some of the older listeners will remember the movie The Longest Day, you come into these villages, and it was just amazing to be there and to walk the streets. We had a guide with us that was walking us through. Now, this bridge was important for this reason, and here's what the soldiers did here. And wasn't it just amazing? It really was amazing. It was incredible. You know, I knew it was ruthless, but going back to where you were saying that the fields were flooded, from the air, they couldn't tell that. They didn't know that. 
And so this paratroopers had, what, like 150 pounds of equipment on them? Right, so much gear. And didn't know how to swim. Yeah. So thousands drowned. Yeah, in those flooded fields. The level of sacrifice to overthrow evil um, is the point here, gang. And we, we want to unpack some of the lessons that we learned there. This isn't just history. We're not just going to kind of walk you through 1940s Europe. But wow, to go back to places that we've read about. You know, I've studied D-Day for 20 years. And Craig was a huge, huge um, D-Day buff and had read a ton on it. And we'd swap stories about it. We found so much in those stories that really paralleled our own. And that's why we went. It really was a pilgrimage. I, I went to Normandy looking for a story that would explain our own. You know, there's the front side of Ransom Tart, which, you know, we tell stories of just the incredible breakthrough that people find and... Right, the healing that's available oh in Jesus. Oh my gosh, redemption, yes, breakthrough, restoration. Life. Right, the phenomenal things that Jesus is doing. But the cost of that is actually very staggering and the level of spiritual warfare that we've sustained over more than 20 years is pretty staggering. And won't go into that, don't need to give glory to that, but um, we went to Normandy really looking for a story. I just knew these people understand, like these are our brothers. There's a bond here with what took place there. And one of the really frustrating things was our tour guide. Oh, dear. He didn't ruin it. But he almost did. He almost did, particularly the first day. You know what? You just don't know. We prayed over. We asked God. Yeah. We made. Yeah. But, oh dear. But he was, you know, brilliant historian. Spoke five languages. Knew every detail you could ask. But he just didn't get it. It's it's like he knew all the facts and he didn't know the story. He didn't understand the significance of it. And so. I was pretty distressed on the first day. First day we did Utah Beach and the museum there, which is so well done. And then we did St. Mary Glace and the village and the Airborne Museum there, which is so well done. And and we did Point to Hawk, which we'll tell you about in just a moment, and Breakcore Manor. And then the second day, uh, we'll probably save for next week's podcast. But the first day, the tour guy was maddening because he would tell you these staggering stories of courage and sacrifice and bravery almost indifferently, like detached. I am the neutral historian, you know? And it, it just, that wasn't what we needed. That wasn't what we needed, nor were, was the fact that we were in a small car and he put on headphones and a mic. <laughs> they were right there, for heaven's sakes. Yeah, it was. It Plus was. he wanted to give us a history of, you know, Western civilization. So yeah, it so, was a little rough. And he kept pushing back at me. Yeah, he, he, he kept he, saying, he, no. He was no, really like almost hostile toward me. Mm-hmm. And I was pretty distressed. We get back to our little bed and breakfast after the first day, which was pretty beautiful and profound and amazing, but it was also really being kind of messed um, with, this, with this guide. And, and we're like, Jesus, what? What is going on? And, and Jesus just says very casually, he says, you wanted me to show you your life. He says, well, that's the church. Okay, you need to clarify that. They, they have all the facts and none of the story. Mm. They have all the information and none of the understanding. Um, no appreciation for the cost. No sense of we still live in this battle. 
Um, what took place at D-Day was a flashpoint in the larger history of the war with evil in the world. And if you don't have a larger story and you don't have context for it, it's maddening. It's crazy-making. Well, here's an example. So the second day, I'll just sneak into the second day for a moment, we went to Omaha Beach, which surely, if, I mean, that name at least has emotional significance in, in most people's lives. It was the the most costly landing beach and the most heroic and staggering. And the American cemetery is there above that. But we're at Omaha Beach. We're at the Vierville exit, which I've read a lot about and the stories of what it took to get out of there and the bravery. It's just staggering. And there is a taco truck that is parked in front of the remains of the German bunker there at the Vierville exit. And you just look at that and go, Really? Like, you're kidding me. Like, that's the cluelessness of that. The, the, it would be a picture of our tour guide. It's like, it's like the frustration. We go back to our B&B, and we pray and pray and pray, and we send some texts to friends, and we're like, please pray for this guy, and pray the Holy Spirit comes upon him, because he's, he's kind of wrecking something that's, like, unbelievably really sa- precious. sacred. And, and Jesus did. It was amazing. The yeah, second he was like day, a new man. He was like a different person. Mm-hmm. Um. And so the second day, he was he was much, much better. But it was really remarkable to just walk the beaches and just be quiet and, and let, let God speak, go into the museums, look at some of the history. And one of the things that I was so struck by in Normandy was the gratitude. Yes. You know, we, we think, okay, it was 70, 75 years ago. In two years, it'll be the 75th so anniversary. So 73 years ago. And with our memory lapses, you know, I basically don't remember anything from a year ago or two weeks ago. And in those towns, those beautiful little villages, the, the streets are lined a lot of places with little banners, with flags for each of the nations that were the allies that fought to liberate them. Like, it's not like it was 73 years ago. They remember like it was yesterday. This was astounding that, that we learned that the French school children in Normandy are taught the story as, as part of their education. And they're taken to the different sites and memorials Every year. Every year, year. there's a field trip. And we were with one young man that grew up there as well the first day. And um, it was just so good to hear personal stories from him because I kind of hung back and hung around him because we would look at pictures of, of people and he was at school with their grandchildren. Yes. Like, it's not just something out of a history book. It's reality. Yeah. Painted on the front of restaurant windows is welcome to our liberators. They love Americans in Normandy. Even now. And they love Canadians and and British. Yes. And I was just so blown away by gratitude. Like in this what have you done for me lately world, with all the political tensions and everybody hates everybody, like to be there and to experience a level of gratitude was enormously healing. Yeah, and the whole atmosphere, it affects the entire atmosphere. And it's so scriptural to live with an attitude of of gratitude, which opens the door to all kinds of great things. And to be in a place where they are committed to remembering. Right? 
all those memorials, it remains largely unchanged. The streets are still tiny. The villages are still there. The country roads are still surrounded and bordered by the hedgerows that you read about if you read any of the the Normandy invasion and how difficult the fighting was through those hedgerows. It's all still there. And so you come to these hundreds of little memorials along the way. Mm -hmm. This is what happened here. Right, just on the side of the road, there'll be a memorial. And the common theme and the phrase that's almost used on every single one of them is, lest we forget, or let us not forget, or shall we remember, or something like that. Do not forget. Mm -hmm. And I was so struck by, oh, Jesus, that's why you established the sacrament of the bread and wine. Yes. Do this so that you don't forget. To be in Normandy, to to remember a story of such incredible selflessness, um, staggering cost, sacrifice, unbelievable bravery. Right, on behalf of people and a nation that wasn't theirs. Right. And then to draw the connections with Calvary and, and to draw the connections with the passion of Christ and like do not forget was a really powerful thing. Like, we do forget. And when we forget, we lose our orientation. Mm-hmm. And going to Normandy was the most orienting thing that I've done in the last 10 years. I mean, it was so unbelievably orienting, reminding me of there is a larger story. There is a great battle. We are at war. And all these beautiful little very poignant, very well done, very tasteful little memorials through, you know, along the whole coast there, this particular soldier's bravery, this particular platoon's bravery, yes. this particular division's actions here, here, you know. Right. Tell these stories to your children. Right. It was that. Mm-hmm. It, it was a living experience of that, of do not forget, you know, of remember these stories, because they give context to our story. Yes. One of my favorite uh, memorials was at Point du Hoc. Mm-hmm. Remember that? It's amazing. So Point du Hoc is a little bit of a peninsula that sticks out, and the cliffs are 100 feet high. And the, the German gun emplacement there was in perfect, unobstructed view to just absolutely rain down hell on Utah Beach and on the soldiers landing there. And so the U.S. Army Rangers were sent to Point du Hoc and in order to take out those guns, get it shut those guns down that were firing down on Utah Beach. And the Rangers first had to get up the 100-foot cliffs. And so the Navy and the Air Force bombed Point de Hoc the night before, mm-hmm. the day before and the night before, and tried to shut down, you know, what would be horrifying is to climb these 100-foot cliffs while you're being immersively, you know, fired on by enemy forces. And so all through Point de Hoc still today are the craters. And they are huge. It's amazing. It's everything's grass covered now, but you can walk down in these craters. I mean, it's it's holy. It's like sacred ground. Mm, preserved. It's preserved. And you kind of come through this peninsula and these craters and these cliffs, and then you come to this memorial. And the memorial there is Wait, 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 wait. Tell how they got to the top. So the plan was rope ladders mm-hmm. and cables, um, which were fired from the small landing craft right as they hit the beach. So they were kind of rocket-propelled rope ladders that would land at the top with grappling hooks. And about half of them worked. 
mm-hmm. but half of them did and just fell uh, or fell into the sea. And so many of the soldiers had to climb the cliffs by hand using their bayonets. And so you, you're coming across Point to Hawk. And again, it's like, it's beautiful and it's quiet and it's honoring and it's very sacred. And then here's this memorial rising up and it's a granite bayonet. And it's just so staggering. And there's a there's a very, very strong German bunker there, concrete, that it looks almost untouched despite all of the bombing there. And and you come to the outside, and the outside is just riddled with bullet pox mm-hmm. into the concrete. It's thousands just, and thousands. Yeah. From the outside. Mm-hmm. And you and you realize that one of the other things I was so struck by in Normandy as we walked through these beaches and these points is just how entrenched evil is. Like once it gets a hold in a family system, in a community, in a culture, once it gets hold in a nation, like it doesn't just let go. Right. Because some good people say we're done with that. This is so orienting and so helpful even when you go to seek breakthrough in your own life. Evil is entrenched and it has to be rooted out very intimately. This was hand-to-hand combat. And just thought about our own stories of counseling that you and I have been through over the years and, and and for our friends who have been through and then all the ministry we offer. It's very intimate. Evil needs to be overthrown intimately, beach by beach, right? Mm-hmm. Hedgerow by hedgerow. Mm-hmm. And- Which is, you know, when you've done and you've pursued healing and you've received prayer and you've had a lot of breakthrough and you're walking with Christ and it's good and then you and then you hit up against something else. So it's, yes. it's kind of like that. Like, oh no, here's a new bunker. Yeah, and it can be so disheartening if you don't know that this is the nature of the story. Mm-hmm. Look, this is just where we are now, and this is what has to be done. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's why it was so orienting to be there. None of this was disheartening. No, no. It was actually affirming. Wasn't it? Yeah. Empowering, clarifying, I want to come back to that because I think that's really important. But I just want to say one other thing in this stream that struck me was one thing is I I didn't know how long the beaches were. Sometime in my head, you know, I thought it was like Huntington Beach in California. Yeah. No, how long are these? So just Omaha Beach alone is six miles long. Okay, six miles long. The entire Calvados Coast, the five landing beaches, Omaha, Utah, Soar, Juneau, Gold Beaches, which the British and the Canadian landed at, 60 miles long in total. 60 miles long, and then all these divisions. And and it's just as well a lesson to me of like, we all have a role to play. Mm-hmm. The point to hawk, we needed them in order to take down that massive gun. Like, we can think that the most important part is right this landing place or this point or this over here doing this particular ministry. And it's like, oh, baby. Yeah. We need us all. Yeah. Well, if you've seen Saving Private Ryan, that takes place one section of Omaha Beach. Just one section. And it's about a quarter of a mile long, that particular assignment that, uh-huh, that they uh-huh. had. You know, and there's a there's five more miles of that beach, you know. Oh my goodness. It's so, so powerful. And again and again just struck by the holiness of these places, the power of remembrance the incredible power of a larger story. And if you do not have a worldview that 
has the war at the center of it, if you do not understand the great battle, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers, spiritual forces of darkness in heavenly places, entrenched evil. If that's not part of your perspective, life is unbelievably confusing and disheartening. This isn't dark. We're not suggesting a very dark and somber worldview. There was a, some friends of the ministry whose house was broken into while the husband was away and the wife was assaulted. I just, I'm sorry. I, I even hate to just tell, tell that story because it was pretty recent. And this is a beautiful Christian couple who love God. And if you do not have a warfare worldview, that is going to begin to erode your confidence in the goodness of God. Like if you don't understand we're at war, the single greatest effect on your life is it will erode your belief in the goodness of God. Because otherwise, what do you do with a story like that? Mm -hmm. What do you do with the email I just got a few weeks ago from our friends who fight trafficking in Central America and talking about all the girls they can't rescue? They don't have enough room. Mm -hmm. What do you do with that? It's breaking their hearts. This email is just heartbreaking. And right. What do you do with your own story? What do you do if you do not have clarity that we are in a great war? And it's not giving evil praise, and it's not focusing on the battle, but it's simply saying without the understanding that the Christian life is far more like the D-Day landing beaches and, and all that took place from them, up in the hedgerows, across the coast, overthrowing evil. If you don't understand it's far more like that than a church service, you won't understand why we need church services. You won't understand why prayer is essential. You, mm -hmm. All of the other spiritual things begin to just look very flabby and, and unnecessary when you don't realize we are at war. It's so orienting. We're going to pause right there, gang, and pick it up next week. We want to tell you about the rest of our trip and some of the things that Jesus spoke to us. Uh, Stacy and I just sat quietly on the sands of Omaha Beach. You've been listening to the Ransomed Heart Podcast with John and Stacy Eldridge. Hope that you are aware of some of our other resources on ransomedheart.com, Ann Sons Magazine, their podcast. There's just some beautiful things coming out on our website and on our Facebook page recently. So hope you're partaking of that too.